for me, I know it sounds weird, but I think that having ADHD is kind of like a superpower because I feel like I'm like driven by this motor and it never turns off. My brain's always working. Like last night, I think I must've gone to bed at three, but I was like on my phone until seven because I kept having ideas and I was like, oh, I need to write this down. Oh, I need to write this down. And then I was like, it's like people are waking up now. I need to go to sleep. Um, but no, it's definitely a, a benefit. I don't see it as a negative thing at all. I'm, I'm actually really grateful that my brain works in that way because there's so many different things that I'm passionate about. You know, there's acting and presenting and celebrity interviews and I write and produce and direct. And I think if my brain wasn't wired this way, I'd struggle juggling everything. Mm -hmm. um, but because I like being busy and I like, you know, flitting from one thing to another, it actually works perfectly. So I'm, I'm very grateful that my brain works the way that it does. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of musicians. I, I've been so surprised at the number of them that, that are neurodivergent. And mm -hmm. when, you know, I, I talked to them, like one of the ones I talked to was, he's like, it keeps me creative, but at the same time, like if my mind wanders, it gives me another place to go to get that focus until I'm bored with that and then ready to go back to the next thing. Exactly. I'll be totally honest. I have known of you for a little, for a little while because the first thing I ever watched of you was when you had your wisdom teeth pulled on YouTube. Oh, no way. <laughs> so that gives you an example of the kind of friends that I have and the crap that we share with each other. And my buddy was like, oh my God, you got to see this video of this woman who got her wisdom teeth pulled. It's the most amazing thing. I want to be friends with her. And I was like, okay. And I watched it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is great. And I went through your YouTube page over the, you know, over time. And I loved how comfortable you are in different aspects of being out on, you know, in, in, in the media, you know, from a host to, you know, comedic ventures to, you know, almost like travel channel type settings, you know, like when you went to, to the biggest spa party ever, you know, and that was so much fun. Oh my God. That was awesome. <laughs> you know what? As much as I hate people and hate having my shirt off, I was like, I would get in that. That looked awesome. You know, that means I've done my job properly. If you do not like being in that scenario and you want to go, then I'm like, well, I can sit back and relax. My job is done. <laughs> Oh, I can clear a pool, girl. Watch me. I just take my people just be like, uh oh, and just like, you know, kind of, you know. But well, so where where did you like where did this all start for you? Like what at what point was it where you were like, okay, this is my comfort zone to be like this? So I've always known that I wanted to be in the creative space. Um, I've wanted to be an actor since I was basically a fetus. So that's what my parents say, because apparently when I was <laughs> apparently when I was in my mum's tummy, um, we have this TV show in England called EastEnders and it has a very distinctive theme tune. And it's like, dum, 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 dum. And apparently every time my mum watched it, I would like kick and she could feel me in her tummy and I'd be like kicking along to the theme tune. So my mum thought, right, she's either going to be a dancer, a musician or an actor. <laughs> and it turned out to be acting, clearly not dancing. We've established that already. I'm going, you don't want to hear me. <laughs> so thank goodness the acting. From a very young age, you know, I, I just, I, I fell in love with performing. And when I was at school, I perform on stage. So I do like musicals, pantomimes, plays. And then as I grew older, I fell in love with screen acting. Um, and along the way, I kind of fell into content creation online. So writing, directing, producing original comedy sketches. And that's how I grew my online following, which then led me into presenting and celebrity interviews. So 
it's so weird when I look back on my life, I'm like, none of it was planned. It's just a case of being like very, very lucky and like regularly being in the right place at the right time and things are just falling into place like Tetris. <laughs> so I'm very lucky. <laughs> you know, and again, not to, not to not to drill on it too, but that's also kind of a very like neurodivergent kind of life because you know, at least I don't know if when you were younger, but like for me, when I was, you know, when it, people would ask you, like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, like I'm still trying to figure that out. And I'm 49. I have no <laughs> idea. What, but you know what? I, you know, you do not look 49. Damn. Share your skincare routine. <laughs> it's this staying in the basement away from the sun <laughs> well, <it's> working. <laughs> and, and horrible dancing. That, that's everything. <laughs> when I look back at like what, what took me down a certain, you know, you know, my trajectory or whatever in my life was that, you know, it was hyper-focus of things that really interested me, you know? And I love that you, it, like for you, it's like you just kind of stumbled into it very naturally. Yeah, it's weird in a way because like I've had so many interviews recently where people are like, okay, so how did you get started in this and this and this? And I can't give people the answer that they want because I'm like, well, it was a really great accident. <laughs> And it just kind of happened. <laughs> and it still continues to happen, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like, that's kind of how it is, right? Exactly. And I have this weird thing where I fluctuate between like insane good luck and then insane bad luck where I'm like scared to leave my house for a week because I'm scared of what's going to happen. But when I'm in like one of the good luck areas, yeah, everything just goes great. And that's kind of where I am where I am today, you know. Um, but yeah, I always knew that I wanted to act and I'd always had an interest in presenting and comedy and writing. Um, but it was one of those things where I never knew if I'd be able to like fully delve into those areas. And then, like I said, you know, the right thing happened at the right time. And now I feel very blessed to have been able to kind of get my fingers into loads of different pies, so to speak. <laughs> like it's, like you were talking about earlier, how you, you, you know, and I've even watched your interviews as well with 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 folks. And it's kind of a, it's kind of like an undiscussed like art form to, in, in a way to be able to connect with someone you're interviewing. And if you're like me, you know, right away, you know, like, like I already knew right away. I was like, okay, I want to be best friends with Amber. Literally same. I was like, we clicked. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so, you know, you know what I mean? So like, you know, yeah. so, so when you're doing an interview, how do you handle it when you're with someone and you go, this is going to be a long 10 minutes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like how do you kind of reset yourself? Cause if you're like me, it's almost like you, you want to be like, yeah, this is going to be great. All of a sudden you're like, I'm dying inside right now. Yeah. Oh my God. Honestly, I completely understand where you're coming from. And it's the same with me. It's like an immediate thing. I know within about 10, 15 seconds, if I really click with someone. And I think, again, I think it's a neurodivergent thing, you know, like high energy, like talking very fast, talking a lot. Um, and most people that I've interviewed, they vibe with that and it works well. Um, but there have been some people that do not like, I've never had a bad interview and everyone's always been lovely, but obviously there's people that you just don't click with straight away. Um, and I've realized over time, the best way to kind of get over that for me is to make sure that I really break the ice. So I think with like celebrity interviews, what a lot of people do, especially when they're in person, um, you can't do it so much over Zoom, I think, but in person people will just sit down and start asking the questions. And I think mm, they have that all day, you know, it's nice to break the ice and literally treat them like humans. So I'll be like, hi, you know, nice to meet you. Like shake their hand. Like, oh, if you're in London, you know, have you done any sightseeing? Like, what's your favorite thing? Like what's been the favorite thing about the press tour? Like, even though that's probably eating into my interview time and I won't use it when I post the interview online, 
I just think it makes a bit of a connection. Um, and I found that even in interviews, for example, if I think, oh, okay, there's not a connection, I might do that for a little bit longer just to try and forge a better connection. Um, and that does seem to make a difference. But don't get me wrong, I have had a couple of interviews over the years where the person I was interviewing, they've, they've said afterwards, like their PR person's messaged me and been like, sorry, they weren't feeling well, or they weren't having a bad day. But sometimes, you know, you ask really in-depth questions and then they're like, yeah, I agree. And you're like, is that your whole answer would you like to elaborate they're like no and i'm like right i'm just gonna dig a hole and then just go and crawl in it and never come out <laughs> one of the things i have to say was when, when i saw the trailer for winnie the pooh blood and honey i'm a longtime fan ever since i was a kid oh yeah me too <laughs> so i had two thoughts when i saw the trailer the okay. first one was this can be real and then the <laughs> second thought was Please let this be real. Oh, good. I was worried where you were going with the second one. I thought you were going to say, you ruined my childhood. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, so that is so funny because to me, when people were like, oh, my God, my childhood's been ruined. I was like, my childhood just got fucking awesome because <laughs> like, and I don't know if it's just, you know, growing up with kind of a warped sense of humor and being around, you know, the two or three friends I had all my life where we were just kind of goofy and like. Like there was something strangely appealing to me to think like, this is fucking brilliant. Winnie the Pooh and Piglet ate everybody. And like, now they're like, we're coming for you, you know? Like, yeah. so what was your reaction when you got handed that script? I mean, I pretty much had the same reaction as you because I love Winnie the Pooh. Like when I was younger, you know, my mom read the books to me. Like one of my earliest memories is her reading them to me at nighttime. I had the toys, I played all the games, you know, I watched all the films. And I'm also a huge fan of horror. Like it's one of my favorite genres to act in. It's one of my favorite genres to watch. So when I saw the synopsis, I was like, oh, this is like two of my favorite things, but merged together. And I never thought I would see Winnie the Pooh in a horror setting. So part of me was like, what is this? This can't be real. And there was another part of me that was so excited because I was like, this is such a unique opportunity to like redefine this character, which was so important in my childhood and other people's childhood, but redefine it for an adult audience, which I never, like, I never thought I would reappreciate Winnie the Pooh as a grown woman. So mm -hmm. I was like, this is really, really cool. And I read the script and I was like, oh, this is wild. I'm totally here for it. <laughs> Honestly, I loved every second of filming and I feel really honored to like be a teeny tiny part of the Winnie the Pooh history. <laughs> Wait, you know, which leads into my next question was that like, I loved the movie, like, because I've always grown up as a fan of just, I mean, like, even even when it came to horror, you know, like, I loved, like, like the most over the top, the better, you know, like, Sleepaway Camp and Slumber yep. Party Massacre, you know, like, to me, like, the <laughs> ones that were so ridiculous, where you're like, this is amazing, like, yeah. you know, how did you get through so much of this movie without just laughing, or whether it was there a lot of times where you were like, I have to take a break like this. I, I can't handle this. This is too much. Like I gotta, I gotta have a laugh. <laughs> so it was difficult, especially, I don't know why. I think I have the brain of like a seven-year-old boy because every time someone was like, no, poo, I'd be like, he, they said poo. <laughs> and I had to like re <laughs> rewire my brain to be like, no, it's Winnie the poo. It's not like a poop poo. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this in an interview, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it just made me giggle. And um, I think, 
I'd say it took me maybe two or three days to get over the fact that, you know, it's a six foot tall Winnie the Pooh chasing me with a sledgehammer. Um, the first few takes where Pooh was there, I think, I think what they tried to do because it was such an intense shoot, you know, we shot the whole film in eight days. It was like 18 mm. hours. It was, it was very, very quick. Uh, and normally we'd only do one or two takes, but I think the first few days we probably did go into like three or four takes because people were giggling, um, especially when Pooh came out and Winnie the Pooh. See, you've got to say it in the right context. Okay, so I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, she said when Pooh came out. I said it and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a meme. I need to correct myself. Actually, you were probably like, this is the right guy to say this to, if anybody. So I feel like we have the same sense of humor, so it's fine. I feel like I'm in a safe space. <laughs> this is anyway, totally a safe space. <laughs> thank goodness I'm not, I'm not talked about Pooh and Pooh so much in any other interview. Anyway, coming to I hope, this, I hope this won't ruin it for your for your next few interviews. <laughs> Honestly, I think I'm just gonna try and call him Winnie from now on. I need to just stay away from the poo name. You say, well, oh, Winnie the poo. He's like my friend Winnie. Um, but no, so to answer your question, <laughs> um, it was I would say it was actually the director who was laughing the most. And uh, if you've seen the film, there's a scene where who Winnie, <laughs> dear me, where Winnie has me tied up and um, he's yes. eating his honey. And then I kind of turn my head and I dribble. And <laughs> the way he's eating the honey, he's chilling. And all of a sudden he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that he moves his head. Oh my God. I've seen the film six times. And every time I'm crying because it's just so dramatic. He's like. <laughs> And the director was giggling so much. I had to say, Reese, please, I'm meant to be like crying. Can you please stop laughing? This is so distracting. Like you're making me giggle. And I think we did about six takes because every time in the background, you could hear the director going, hee And I was like, oh my God, stop. But it was just like, we, honestly, we had so much fun. There were so many moments where I like, I was almost crying from laughing just because it was like such a funny scenario to be in. So, when the movie came, like, did you happen to have like a viewing party with like your family and friends? And no, no. no so the first time that we saw it was at the world premiere, which was so daunting because I am super critical of my acting, and there's some of my films that I haven't even seen. Like, I don't like watching myself because I can't enjoy the film, and I love film so much. I don't want to be watching it thinking, "Oh, I should have done this. I should have done this." Um, but it's weird. This is the first film I've ever done where I've actually watched it more than once. So like, mm -hmm. I saw it at the world premiere in Mexico, European premiere in Amsterdam, UK premiere in Glasgow. And then like one of my favorite cinemas in London was, sh was showing it. So I went like three nights there and I did like a Q&A and stuff. And it was just, it's always weird seeing yourself on the big screen, but it's just strange because it was daunting that my face was like 20 foot tall on cinemas around the world I was thinking oh god I hope people aren't like looking at my nostrils or anything <laughs> it's the strangest thoughts go through your head um but yeah I was actually really pleased with the performance in this film and it's still mad to me the fact that it's been in cinemas worldwide I've forgotten what your question was now I've been waffling <laughs> I feel like I had the flow and then I was like wait have I answered the question this happens all the time <laughs> you actually did answer because one of my questions oh, okay. was like had you seen it or like, had you seen it with oh, like friends and right, family? Sorry. And no, see, <laughs> but you you were right on. But okay, I had to ask you, like, what was your friends and family's reaction when they saw the movie? Like, were they just like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, just so, like, fucking awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, so this is the thing. I thought they would be like, 
what is that? But they were actually like really enjoying it. So my parents came along to the UK premiere in Glasgow and that out of all of them, I was really glad that they came to that one because Glaswegians have the best sense of humor. So I knew that sitting in an audience with a group of people from Glasgow was going to be like super entertaining. And I made the mistake of, I presume I can say spoilers of the film, seeing as how it's like out on streaming platforms. You can say anything you want. This is, this is your time. This is our table. Perfect. So spoiler alert, I died in the film. And um, I, I told my parents that I died, but I didn't say how I died. And I kind of forgot to warn them because all of the deaths are CGI apart from mine. And it was all practical effects. And then at a certain point, camera trickery, because I die by having a humongous knife shoved into my mouth. But obviously my head's only so big. Um, and at one point it's, it's going in that far. I'm thinking my head's not that big. Like, where's it going? And it was physically the most uncomfortable thing because I was just chilling there, like kind of against the tree for the longest time with this huge knife way too far into my throat. I'm thinking this is very strange. And every time I watch it, it just makes me so uncomfortable and I have goosebumps and I'm like, oh, oh. And they just stay on the shot for too long. And it, it just keeps going further and further in. And I'm like, oh no. And my mom was like, I did not enjoy your death, Amber. She was like, it was too real. The other ones you could see it was CGI, but she was like, I felt like you were actually dying and it really hurt my feelings. She said, I had to look away. And I was like, oh mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but my dad was like, that was so cool. <laughs> Amber, will you please die less realistic on, on the yeah. movies from now on, you know? <laughs> That's the thing, because I think, because the other deaths were quite unrealistic, you know, getting run over by a car or, you know, getting sledgehammered and mine, I was like, I can actually see this happening. And I think that's why I like, I had a lot of people come up to me after the UK premiere in particular saying like, Amber, your death affected me the most because it was the most realistic and you could see there's no CGI. And I think when it is like a practical effect thing, and this is why I love the film so much because it is apart from the deaths, it's like pretty much all practical effects. Um, and like fake blood and just like, you know, special effects makeup and stuff. And I think it adds another layer. And when I'm watching a film, I can tell straight away, especially for low budgets, if it is like real or if it's special effects. And I think sometimes when it's special effects, it kind of takes it away. So when there is a death scene that feels that realistic, it like really affects me. And it seems like it's been affecting other people as well. So I hope in a good way. <laughs> And I also love the fact that there there is like some pride or even some embracement of like being able to say like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I was in a low budget horror film. Yeah. Low budget film to me, that's like a genre of its own, you know, and it has been as far back as the Ed Wood days. Have you been asked to come to some of these horror cons and things like that to like be a guest? Yeah. So I've done so many independent films over the years and I'm like a really big champion for low budget independent films because I feel I am going to answer your question in a minute, but this. No, please go. <laughs> I, I'm loving this, by the way. Is that good? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm like a big champion for independent films because I found that when I work on lower budget projects, the story has to be really good because there isn't enough budget to distract the viewers with like cool action shots or CGI. Like it has to be good acting and a good script. And I really, really like that. So anyway, that was just that's something about independent film. Yay. Right. Um, I'm kind of hoping that Blood and Honey will like pave the way for more low budget films to get a theatrical release. Because I know in America, especially, there's not that many independent films that make it to cinemas. And I mean, we made this on a £20,000 budget, which is like $30,000. And it's taken in $6.5 million in the box office, which like, that's a lot of money. My brain can't even comprehend that. I try and think about how much money that is. And I'm like, that's mental. 
mental. Anyway, onto the comic cons because now I will answer the question. <laughs> no, but I, I love that because I'm also <laughs> thinking to myself, like when, when you're talking about the money, you're like, how much of that am I going to see? <laughs> well, this is a question that I've been asked a lot and I will be okay because I feel like we're vibing and it's a very safe space. I will be fully transparent with you. So I got 20 pounds a day, which is about $30 a day for the film and not really any expenses covered. And we had to pay for our own expenses and travel and accommodation for the premieres. So in total from this film, I think I made 200 pounds, which is $300. (laughs) And I had so many people messaging me being like, wow, this film took in $6.5 million. You know, how much did you get? Like hundreds of thousands. And I'm like, ha 200 pounds. You're like, dinner. <laughs> Literally, someone was like, dinner's on you. And I was like, no, no, it really should be on you. I spent more on my train tickets than what I got paid for the shoot. <laughs> Thank goodness I have like my social media career to pay my income because this film did not. <laughs> but anyway, I I get diverted. Again, same by, here. Yep, I, say that I feel like you'd appreciate it. But yes. We come back to the starting point of the conventions. And I'm so pleased that you brought that up because I have my first convention next weekend and I'm equal parts excited and like so scared because I've gone to conventions as like a fan before. And this is the first time that I've been like a guest, like people want to see me, which is like a really weird thing to think because I'm so used to being on the other side. Um, So next weekend, I'm going to Sci-Fi Scarborough. Um, I'm really excited. There's some other cast members from the film there. And then next month, I'm super excited because I'm going to Spooky Empire in Orlando in Florida, which is obviously an international convention. It's a huge one. I am like so blessed to be going. And when I found out, like I have goosebumps right now. When I found out, I was like, ah, this is crazy. Like it's not just England anymore. This is worldwide. And I'm doing one in Canada in September. And then um, I think one in New York in October. So it's something... I've always wanted to do and being in the horror genre, I know that like horror fans, in my opinion, are some of the greatest fans in the world. They're so loyal, they're so supportive. And when this film started doing well and it was going a little bit viral, I thought, oh, maybe one day I'll be able to do conventions, but I didn't want to get my hopes up. And then now it's all happening. So I feel like I accidentally manifested it, but I'm really happy that I did. (laughs) You know, and the other thing too is, and you've probably also noticed this since the movie came out or whatever, is that uh fans of any kind especially fans that go to conventions can be really intense and yes. like, how are you prepping yourself to be like okay here comes like a bunch of touchy people that are gonna want to like ah, you know this is the thing so i feel quite lucky because the rest of the cast there's a lot of people where this is their first film or the first couple of films where i've done about I think I've done 25 British horror feature films now. I've worked on like 100 productions. So this is very normal to me. And not only that, like on the social media side, from my comedy sketches, I've got 3 million combined followers online. So because of that, I get recognized quite a lot on the street. So I've had this experience before through social media. So it's not new to me, but it's new to me in the sense that it's now because of my acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm used to it, but at the same time, it's something you can never get used to because when people approach you, it's really weird because they feel like they know you, especially for social media. So I have so many people come up to me and like, I'm a hugger anyway. I'm not really, even during COVID, this whole like elbow nonsense, I was like, hug me. 
literally i'm like oh i'll put my face mask on but still yum um so i'm a hugger and everyone always comes in for a hug which is really nice um but yeah people are really touchy-feely and i think because they've seen your videos or you know they've seen you in a film they feel like they know you personally and i know some people who don't like that and they think it's like breaching their personal space but i'm a like a very um i, I don't want to say touchy-feely person because that is definitely going to be taken out of context even though i've just said it now never mind <laughs> but you know what i mean i'm like a very like open kind of person so i actually really enjoy it um and i'm kind of an extrovert so i like thrive off that anyway so i think because of the social media stuff i'm used to it but like i said it's a different setting you know it's horror fun so i imagine it's going to be like a next level up in intensity so i think i'm just going to make sure i get a good night's sleep the night before and then you know when i like go into the battlefield i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> take a take a xanax and just be like need to okay i'm good <laughs> hey <laughs> i'll take some cbd oil or something to just keep me a little bit chill <laughs> to kind of go back to the movie again we were talking about like one of the things that made me excited and i actually read a little bit about it too in a couple of like reddit forums is that people were just like okay so now what other parts of our childhood or, or is this movie gonna kind of inspire to be like oh you know what that would be great to like really fuck with people and like make the smurfs like zombies or something you know like i would watch that film that's a great idea you should pitch that to someone okay whoever you pitch it to you have to say but you have to cast amber as a smurfette or this cannot go into production i can't believe it. i just can't wow okay yeah my mind is blown no, honestly okay, that's genuinely a great idea like I'm, I'm not just inflating your ego here like you said it and i can see it already like it's, it's gonna be great it's like avatar but zombie and tiny and white hats <laughs> <laughs> Although I think it'd be even more disturbing because they would all be like people in like blue costumes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have to be a horror comedy. You can't do that one seriously. <laughs> no. Also, from your perspective, though, like what, like what aspects of your childhood would you like to see completely dragged through the horror mud? So I honestly think everything from my childhood i'm like just turn it into a horror film because at the end of the day you know when i was growing up i loved the disney films and i loved like disney princesses and everything and because i love horror and my parents love horror um i remember they introduced me to brothers Grimm, and they were like well you like horror and you like these fairy tales so you should know where these fairy tales actually come from and a lot of these characters actually have very very dark noir origins in the brothers Grimm fairy tales which to me if you actually read the original stories they're not that far from a horror film you know they're incredibly dark they're and horrifying. there's normally like really yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's so much dark messaging. So to me, I'm like, any of them could very easily be turned into a horror film, especially the Brothers Grimm ones, you know, like Snow White, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, Cinderella. Like, to me, it's not even that far of a stretch. Um, so I can kind of already see those going into the horror territory. So for me, I think if I were to create a film, it would be some characters where I wouldn't expect it. So you've already said Smurfs, which I love. I think I, I had this thought recently. I would love to see like Scooby-Doo, the horror film, and Scooby's just like, he's got rabies and he's like frothing at the mouth. And the only way he can get away is throwing like a very specific type of snook, like Scooby snack. But everyone's figured this out. So it's like sold out worldwide. And then there's like a panic. And I think that'd be really funny. Oh my God. And instead of being a stoner, um, Shaggy could be on meth. And like, <laughs> like, and him and Scooby could be running a meth lab. Oh my gosh. See, oh my God, okay. it's like Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes, it's like Breaking Bad. And then Shaggy can be Walter, and then Scooby can be Jesse. 
this is a great idea i'm telling you someone is going to be watching this interview like blumhouse or someone i don't know we're going to see this uh film in cinemas in a few years and when we do we deserve our commission i'm just saying it now i'm putting it out there i, mean, I think we would come up with some great ideas could, could you imagine if we had a production company we would destroy every single childhood for every person in the world <laughs> i feel like it would be like one of those like seth rogan and like judd apatow things where yes! you would just oh. sit in an office and go Okay, like, okay, what can we completely fuck up now? Like, let's yeah. just like ruin something and it would be amazing, you know? Honestly, their partnership gives me life. They're like one of my favorite duos. And I feel like there's not enough people like that. So we could be the next duo. Oh my gosh. And we just met. This is a great connection though. I love it. I this. feel like we're best friends already. <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you until like three today, but- um, Literally like, me too, I could talk all day. <laughs> What is next for you, like in 2023? So we've got the um, Blood and Honey, which is incredible. But like, so what's next? What do you have going on? So I have about seven different feature films that are in pre-production. Uh, the next one that I'm working on is, of course, another horror. Uh, it's a gothic horror set in the 1940s in Scotland, and it's called The Baby in the Basket. Um, it's a really cool script that I think it's going to be one of the most challenging roles that I've had to play so far. Um, so a quick summary of the film, uh, like I said, you know, 1940 Scotland is set in a monastery where a group of nuns live. And I play Sister Agnes, who's the lead role. And one night this baby is mysteriously left in a basket, hence the title, um, on the outside steps of the monastery. And I take the baby in as my own and start looking after it. But as soon as the baby enters the monastery, there's a lot of weird happenings that go on. And it leads my character to believe that this could be the son of the devil. And all the other nuns think that I'm crazy and they put me in isolation. And then they think that I'm going even crazier from the isolation, but maybe I'm right. And maybe I get possessed and maybe there's some interesting things going on. Who knows? You'll have to watch and find out. But it's such a cool script and such a cool concept. And I've never played a nun before. So I'm very excited for that because I love like the Conjuring films and the nun films. And even though this isn't like that, I still like to think, well, I'm kind of in the same category as the nun now because I've played a nun, so yay. <laughs> I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to ninth grade. Oh, did I you? you? And I can tell you now that there's very few things more horrifying than a nun. Like, <laughs> like I am not, like, that's why I always thought it was so humorous to me that so many like horror movies are like, it's not Baptist. It's not. It's always Catholic. Like it's always yeah. like a nun or a priest <laughs> or like both. You know, and they're getting yeah. possessed or they're. I just yeah no me too. I really enjoy it. And like I said, you know, I love the Conjuring films, and the Nun was a great film. So when I saw this one, I thought, oh, this is really cool. Um, so that's what next. And then I'll, I'll just say like my top three that I've got coming up that I'm excited for because they're all yes. different genres. Um, which is nice. So uh, the one after that is called Mr. Hyde, the untold story. And it's kind of like what they did with Winnie the Pooh. So they've taken the characters of um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and it's kind of like a retelling. And what I like about it is that I read the script the other day and I was only cast very, very recently. So I'm playing like the lead villain, which is exciting because I get to be like a, a boss ass bitch and I'm so excited. Sorry, I don't know if I can say the B word, but. <laughs> oh, you can say whatever you want. This is my show. I love that boss ass bitch coming at you and I'm so excited for it. And um, it's, it's a different take on the story. So it's not what you think. And there's a lot of twists and turns. And my character is just, like everyone's scared of her, you know, but it's it's just interesting because the guy playing Jekyll and Hyde is older than me. And I just find it fascinating that a lot of these characters, they're all older than me and yet they're scared of me. And like, I'm five foot three, I'm tiny. 
and there's going to be all these huge men like quivering in their boots at little old me and this just amuses me very greatly um and there's little aspects of comedy in there as well and i just like I love it when I read a script and I'm so engrossed sometimes that I read it in one sitting and that's how I know I'm like, these are the projects that I need to be invested in and this is what I need to do. And that was the same with the baby in the basket. It was the same with Mr. Hyde. Um, and the third one, very, very different. So it's called Dying Breed. I'm producing it. I'm editing the script at the moment and I also play the lead role and it's a Viking film about the end of Slavic paganism. So three very different films there. Oh, that sounds incredible. Thank you, honestly. So it's so I didn't write the script myself. It, um, but I I'm kind of came on board after it was written to edit and produce and do some of the bits and bobs. And it's honestly one of the I don't know. I've not connected to a script like that in a long time. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And it's kind of like a battle for love, a battle for freedom, a battle for. Um, I think it's a really important story to be told because it's the true story of Ukraine and with the war going on at the moment, I think it's a story that needs to be told and once it's gone into production and it comes out, I'm planning on all of the proceeds going to either Ukrainian refugees or charities to help um, the people who are in Ukraine at the moment. So oh. it's it's got a really great message and I'm so passionate about this project. I think it's going to be one of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on. Um, and yeah, it's like the script is beautiful. I know it's going to look beautiful and I think it's going to like emotionally touch people as well. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. And it's just so different because I've done so many horrors uh, and I've done one Viking film before and loved it because like, I love the Vikings TV show. I love anything medieval. I am obsessed. Like we could have a whole other interview just talking about Vikings. <laughs> Cancel your next interview and we'll just keep, yeah. Trust me, I would if I could. Like Vikings is, oh, there's a few TV shows in my life. There's like Vikings, Breaking Bad, Prison Break. I could talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> How have we not been best friends? Like seriously, like. Honestly, I'm glad that this is now happening though, but where have you been my whole life? <laughs> Watch what you say. My wife is insanely jealous. No, I'm just kidding. She's not. Bring your wife in. We can have like a little best friend group. <laughs> Well, Amber, thank you so much for doing this. It was a oh, lot of fun. And like, who loves you? It makes me so happy that Winnie, I still can't say poo anymore. <laughs> it makes me happy that your Winnie is there. <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you so much for like, you know, just humoring me and having such a great time. I really enjoyed this. Oh, because no, honestly, Don, I've had such a fun interview. Like, I love doing interviews anyway, but once in a blue moon, you have a chat like this and it's so nice and it's so refreshing and I just feel so like at peace so thank you this was like such a nice experience and I am so excited because I'm holding you to this now you can't back out every film I do from now on we will have a chat again and you will get fed up of me but it's gonna happen well you have made my day and validated what I like to do and I really appreciate that you're a great interviewer honestly for me to feel this comfortable in an interview it, it is a rarity so kudos to you Chubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff He's Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh Willy nilly silly old bear Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh Chubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff